Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Our Soul. Um, it is good to be back. Uh, so it is currently February 8th, 2022, and we are recording this, you know, always not knowing what's going to happen during the week, but um also wanting to recognize that this is Black History Month. And, you know, we had a whole conversation of what this episode should be like and what we should talk about in this episode, because um, as a Black person, I am tired of hearing about Black pain. I'm, you know, exhausted from hearing about more Black pain in this year and all of the years since I've been <laughs> alive. Um, so today, I I really wanted to talk about um, not just Black joy, but really Black perseverance. Um, I think that perseverance is such an, an honorable trait to have, and um, when, when I think about, you know, my ancestry and the people around me, I, I think about, uh, you know, all of the justified rage that, uh, black people, especially in the United States have, and all of the ways that, like, absolutely 100% have justified anger and, uh, you know, maybe even a desire for revenge. But um, for those of you who don't know, uh, by the time you're hearing this, I would have already done our first restorative and transformative justice training. Um, and when I think about like who my, you know, um, who the people I look up to are in restorative and transformative justice, um, all, all of them, I think are black femmes you know the people that i really look up to and like want like (laughs) the people that i would want to meet and want to have a conversation with they are all black femmes and um so i just wanted to you know kind of have a conversation about the ways that uh you know not only have we seen black joy in the midst of traumatic times but also the ways that we've seen black people um, pursue something better, even when they absolutely didn't have to. Like, you know, I think about, uh, like when I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again. It, like I, uh, I preach and, uh, talk about restorative and transformative justice, but absolutely 100% when a person is abused by another person, they are not responsible for that person's healing. And yet, black people have time and time again been abused in this country and broader, and still are working not only for their own healing, but also for the collective healing of of everyone around. So anyway, that's a little bit of what I want to talk about today. And Terry, I might be preaching to you a lot this episode, but uh, do it. that is kind of what's on my heart today. Do it. 
do it. I, I know we, we spoke ahead of time, um, you know, about what we wanted to see in this episode. And it's really funny for, you know, those of you who are not familiar with our work at Faith Choice Ohio. We work very hard and diligently to be an intersectional movement with teeth, right? Not just to be intersectional in name only, not to be tokenizing, but to really, you know, strive for a an appreciation of the intersections of all of these elements of our work. And so often intersectionality becomes a discussion about intersectional struggle and intersectional abuse, you know, how folk have been marginalized. But we also strive for intersectional joy and intersectional excellence and intersectional perseverance. And it's, as a white person, it's always, you know, funny to me, funny in a, a very ironic and, and not at all uh, comedic way, how, like, we get to Black History Month and all of a sudden it's like, okay, so 28 days and now we need the black folk in the room to do programs and to, you know, have speakers and we're going to invite black voices and we're going we're gonna to feature all these folk for 28 days. And then, like, bam, you know, March 1st comes and people are like, well, now we're on to other things, right? And the work that we do here at Faith Choice Ohio... Uh, isn't segmented like that. You know, we we want to uplift black voices all year round, right? And that has been our goal. We have a lot of content that you're going to see us reposting um, previous content during this month because we've already had a lot of folk, uh, you know, speaking and preaching these messages and this work that they don't need to recreate the wheel uh, during Black History Month. At the same time, you know, the, the work that's being done in the space needs to be fleshed out a little. It needs to be enriched in the places that aren't being um, covered and talked about and broadcast in the, the greater body politic. And like Kelly has shared, you know, black perseverance, not in um, not in kind of a a determinationalist way, got to get my words out. Not in that, like, oh, these folks suffered so many things and therefore they have produced this, you know, capitalist end product isn't that great, right? But rather an acknowledgement that folk who have gone through hard, hard stuff and horrible, horrible stuff are not defined by that stuff and they never have been, right? That the stuff that is done to black people, that's not black history, Right, The violence that's done to black people, that's white history. The excellence and the perseverance that black folks show everywhere when they show up, that's black history. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited for this episode because I want to I wanna dive into the parts that we don't hear from uh, the rest of the body politic during this month, right? Black history is more and indeed far greater than just black pain and struggle right yeah yeah and um so today i got a bunch of books off my shelf um i have an entire shelf that is just dedicated to restorative justice transformative justice racial justice um and uh i you know limited which ones i chose um just based off of the ones that have kind of affected me the most 
um, and brought them <laughs> forward because I just want to talk about these, um, you know, role models of mine of people who uh, are modeling something different, even even when, you know, I mean, not only um, is is this like kind of my ancestry and the in the kind of inherited trauma that I have, but also like as a survivor of several other traumas that I'm not going to get into on this podcast, but, uh, you know, this very justified, uh, pain and how these, these role models of mine have chosen something different. And I also choose to do something different because of their work and their example. So (laughs) I'm starting with, uh, a little uh image that or a little picture that um actually our executive director elena ramsey gave to me for christmas a very nice christmas gift and um you know maybe we'll post it on social media or something like that uh but it's a a um image of bell hooks um a drawing of bell hooks who passed away late last year um and it has a quote from her on the on the sleeve and i always get like a little emotional whenever reading it i swear i am not as an emotional person as it seems like as it may seem on this podcast i am i don't like i i go to therapy every week and i get my crying out <laughs> and apparently i come to this podcast every two weeks and i get my crying out too um anyway but um so this quote by bell hooks is um, important to me. And so I'm just going to read that. So it says, sometimes people try to destroy you precisely because they recognize your power, not because they don't see it, but because they see it and they don't want it to exist. And, you know, when I think about black history and, you know, thinking about, uh, the collective perseverance and, uh, the, you know, ancestors who have come before me and have have made something better of this world. Um, I I think about that. Uh, it's it's not that people don't see the power that Black people have, even despite of everything, um, but it's rather that they don't want it to exist. That it is, um, you know. Uh, like a threat, I guess. <laughs> uh, but we're not, you know, we're not a threat. We're just people trying to survive and trying to be better. And I think it is encouraging to, you know, think about um, how even when people put us down, it's not because we don't have power, but because other people um, don't want that power to exist. And, you know, I could go into a whole conversation about how that represents or that you know, shows me that there's a need for more therapy and more, um, you know, processing for the people who don't want that power to exist. But that is not what I'm focusing on today. And I and I think it's important, you know, you, you share that black people are not a threat, right? As, as a white person, um, I think black people are a threat to the false narrative that white people tell ourselves Mm -hmm. and i i think that's the root like it's not an actual threat it's not a threat of harm to the person it's a threat to the mythology 
of whiteness in this nation and the mythology that as a white person, um, every white person is taught that mythology that, you know, our history is important and our history is central and, you know, our, you know, the framers and the founders and all the stuff that is laced with white supremacy that just undergirds every element. And that is eroded simply by the existence of people who hold their history in more tender and honest and authentic ways than having to declare their supremacy through false narratives, right? And and I think that is the piece that, like like with Bell Hooks, just existing, right? Because Bell Hooks is is this figure of. Uh, you know, black academia and Appalachia, right? Just by existing, Bell Hooks has just set mythologies on fire, right? I mean, and that, and that, that is the power of presence. It's the power of being. Yeah, mm. the power of being, and the <laughs> the. Uh, sorry, I was thinking of. Um, I I'm, I might cut this out of the... Maybe we'll have a podcast exclusive on this episode. Who knows? But if we do have a podcast exclusive, then this will be in here. But if not, then this won't exist. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, so I watch a lot of anime. There's one anime in it. Um, the main character um, hears about something that his mom said about how he is... Um, he is special and important just by the fact that he was born and that resonates with me a lot and I think about you know when thinking about bell hooks talking about um having how like just because somebody's trying to destroy you does not mean that your power doesn't exist but rather that they don't they see your power and don't want it to exist uh that you know the fact that I am alive and I'm choosing to do something different choosing to not enact the pain that has been put on me on other people and choosing not to continue that cycle of harm um, shows that I have power and is my is my way of using that power so the whole concept of you are you are valuable because you are you know your your existence and and just being has has value. Um, Bell Hooks did this fantastic compilation of poetry called Appalachian mm. Elegy, not mm-hmm. to be confused with J.D. Vance's uh, absolute abomination of Hillbilly Elegy, which is just like a grifter, um, horrible anti-Appalachian text. Appalachian Elegy by Bell Hooks is this just beautiful collection of poetry that bell hooks put forward and people questioned when it was published like why are you publishing a book of poems like poems that's not productive and bell hooks was just so clear in talking about this book that like no these these are the things that get me through having to do the work that everyone else cries for like i i have produced this work as a resource for you because you need this grounding 
in something other than productivity and academic discourse. You need this grounding to be able to exist, to have the impact you want to have. Like, your existence and your value has to come before your project, whatever mm-hmm. your project is. And I just, I just find that so empowering that it's like, no, really, existence does come first. Like, you, you exist, you have your being, and from your being, you find your work. You do not find your being within your work. You do not find mm-hmm. purpose solely within your work, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, you know, and how, again, going back to, like, doing the work that, you know, was never truly expected of you and is beyond, you know, what I would expect of anyone um, when, when, you know, healing from collective trauma, that, like, the work of unlearning, the, you know, I talk about restorative and transformative justice, the work of doing that, of even pursuing the idea of doing it is very difficult and requires you to like be a person and to be vulnerable and to um you know try to work through a lot of stuff and many people do not choose to take that path um and like I am just grateful for the examples of of people choosing like you know uh, to to say, like, yes, poetry is important. It's not all about being productive. It's not all about just, you know, the work of it all. It's also about being a person and recognizing how my personhood is, is related to the rest of me. Um, so I can't find the quote for some reason, which is like, you would think I would know the exact page number, the exact location of this quote that I use all the time, which is talking about um, winners and losers and um, how we want to work for a future that uh, there are no winners and losers. Uh, but in the process of, of looking for that quote, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm talking about Adrienne Marie Brown. Um the writer of Pleasure Activism, which is a book about the politics of feeling good and talks about the process of, like, or not the process, but, like, the fact that you can both work for a better future for people of color and black people especially um, and live a life of pleasure. (laughs) And you can both, like, you know, fight for a better future and creating something better and more holistic Um, while also caring for yourself, Um, which reminds me of a quote from another Black femme, which is um, by Audre Lorde, caring for myself is not an act of self-indulgence, but it is is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare, and how the act of caring for yourself is a way of going against the system and, and saying, like, you tell me that I need to be angry or that I need to be, um, you know, putting myself, um, into whatever box you say I should be in, but actually (laughs) I'm going to choose something that's better for me and my community and my people, um, and, and do better. But, um, I would 100% (laughs) re-recommend, um, Adrienne Marie Brown's Emergent Strategy, um, 
which is, you know, a really great book and talking about um, specifically transformative justice. And uh, there's a section in the book called Creating More Possibilities where she talks about um, uh, Octavia Butler and uh, science fiction and how all organizing is uh, science fiction. And uh, I'm just going to read a a, a section of this, which I think is kind of around these same lines, um, which, uh, as a trigger warning, this talks about, you know, it talks about slavery. So, <clears throat> lately I've been obsessing over the Afrofuturism and justice orientation of slave era blacks because our situation today feels so terrifying and exhausting and sometimes hopeless and there's so much trauma and grief to bear. And yet we survived that, not individually, but collectively. Not all of those black people were Afrofuturists, but focus, but to focus on Afrofuturists in the black social justice tradition, I would note that Africans leaping off of slaver ships were Afrofuturists. Slave Arab parents teaching their babies a foreign alphabet in the candlelit dirt were Afrofuturists. Black women disso dis associating themselves through tomorrow while being raped into motherhood for Afrofuturists. Those who raised children of violence, those who chose not to, all were predicting the future and articulating their choices. Slaves who ran to freedom and slaves who ran to their deaths were Afrofuturists. It is the emphasis on a tomorrow that centers the dignity of that seed, particularly in the face of extinction, that marks for me the Afrofuturists. And of course, there are the big ones whose names have made it through the erasers of history books into our mouths. Harriet, Sojourner, Frederick, John, Malcolm, James, Ella, Martin, Nina, June, Tony, Octavia. Now it is our work. And the exciting thing about this time is that we are learning to name ourselves, our distinctions and solidarities, our Afrofuturisms. Developing enough of a common dream language that we can be that much more explicit about the real futures we are shaping into existence. We are touching the future, reaching out across boundaries and post-apocalyptic conditions to touch each other and to call out to each other as family, as beloveds. All that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. Um, which is from Parable of the Sower. Um, we are making ourselves vulnerable enough to be changed, which will of course change what black existence means. Octavia Butler, who gave us that philosophical spirit poem, Earth Seed, that I just quoted, is a bridge for many of us between this world and the narratives that pull us into the next realm or the parallel universe or a future in which we are the protagonists. We are creating a world we have never seen. We are whispering it to each other, cuddled in the dark. We are screaming it at people who are so scared of it that they dress themselves in war regalia to turn and face us. Because of our ancestors, because of us, and because of the children we are raising, there will be a future without police and prisons. Yes. There will be a future without rape, without harassment, and constant fear and childhood sexual assault. A future without war, hunger, violence, with abundance. And I could go on, but I don't want to read too much of this book. I, it's just, um, just very beautiful, and just to to think about Afrofuturism and how you know, even in the midst of despair, thinking about and 
and living towards a future that did not currently exist um, and and having doing things in the hopes that that future would exist um, is just inspiring and lovely and and I just I can't help but my heart goes to you know the RJ mothers right who were able to gather together at these academic conferences and say you know this this is not this what currently exists is not all that can exist we know that there is more here we know that we can demand more of the future than what others are willing to demand of it and we can work to cultivate out of it more than others think is possible that that is just the heart of you know rj within the repro world you know to to be able to say you know that that all too familiar definition you know we want to be able to choose to have children to choose not to have children and to parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities right like that that essential core that is the afrofuturism of repro to say no y'all y'all have not been asking for enough of the universe and y'all have not been cultivating the kind of future that we all really need and we're going to do that because we can do that because it is possible because we have this 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 history and this heritage and this process of dreaming a new future into something more than just hopes we're we're dreaming it into reality Mm-hmm. And and I think a part of that is, um, you know, thinking about that history and thinking about those who have come before, um, you know, we are going to continue to fight for uh, a, you know, a reproductive future that, you know, values um, sustainable communities and uh, values a person's choice to have children and not have children Um because like we you know we've lived through enough <laughs> of the really bad stuff <laughs> that we're not going to just accept uh crumbs you know a lot of people have said um row is the floor and you know the floor may come out underneath us but that doesn't mean that we're going to stop fighting for the true reproductive liberated future that we want we're not going to, you know, stop wanting um, true sustainable communities where people, you know, don't have to choose between diapers and food or caring for your children or going to work, like, or having money to feed those children. Um, and, it, like, that is not sustainable. And, uh, you know, thinking about the reproductive justice movement, like, we're, we're not going to accept the crumbs of just having the legality of abortion, but people should be able to choose abortion and not uh, have to worry about how much it costs. And people should be able to uh, choose to have children and know that they'll have support in doing that in their communities. And um, I think like, you know, one of the <laughs> one of the benefits of, you know, being at the bottom is that we we can hope for a future that is just so much better than what we currently have. And we know we've seen the steps um, towards things getting better that we're willing to, you know, stick it out. Um, again, having that perseverance and that resilience. Um, that quote that was uh, a part of 
the uh, Octavia Butler quote from what I just read, uh, all that we touch, we change, all that uh, we change changes you, or something like that. I'm not reading it right now. That was off the top of my head. Uh, for one, love Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents. Very good books. Um, but also, uh, if you've ever if you've ever read those books, which I'm not going to spoil anything, but if you've ever read those books, it's in a very dark time that that quote comes about, and it is this uh, this dream of a future of a of a religion that is liberated and freed and recognizes all of those interconnections, the good and the bad, and the, all the in between. Um, where the main character is is dreaming this dream of of Earth Seed, and uh, you know I think we are continually dreaming a dream, even in the midst of the dark, you know, cuddled can on the candlelit floors like Adrian Marie Brown was talking about, and um, you know it's it's difficult, but it's like so at least for me it's so awe inspiring to think about. Uh, being a part of this lineage and this, um, you know, uh, before, before we were on here, Terry said a cloud of witnesses, um, who are, who are carrying on this tradition of, of fighting for something that in the current moment may seem, you know, impossible or, um, you know, so far off. Um, but in reality, if we continue to fight for it, then it can be something that's actually possible. Uh, <laughs> talking about that reminds me of uh, the Black Cinderella, which with uh, Whitney Houston and Brandy, um, which uh, has the song "Impossible" in it, and you know, uh, in in that song they say like you know, impossible things are happening every day, and. Like it does, we don't have to limit ourselves to those crumbs and to, um, you know, just the bare minimum. We can want more and we can ask for more and at the same time, um, you know, care for ourselves. And uh, one other thing when you were talking that I was thinking about is how, uh, you know, be a part of this resistance and part of this uh, work for social justice or for reproductive justice and and for racial justice um, requires a non a non black and white way of thinking, you know. Um, <clears throat> a person is not just good or bad, and regardless of where they fall on that spectrum, a person deserves dignity. And there are not, um, you know, perfect, uh, you know, situations. And there are not, like, nothing is on just one end of the spectrum. That's just not how things work. And uh, when I think about that, I think about Miriam Kaba, um, who was uh, the who's the writer of We Do This Till We Free Us, which um, was the opening book of our last book club on abolition. And um, a lot of that that book is just talking about how um, not only like how uh, the 
the state will not give us that full justice. Like the state is going to continue to give us crumbs and we need to ask for more and we need to expect more and we need to start doing more. But also about um, framing and the absence of a perfect, perfect victim and about, you know, part of the complexity and not all of that is in this book, but um, a lot of what Mariam Kaba does is is talking about that spectrum and and seeing full human dignity. Um, and I think like, you know, and, and and although these, not although, but these are all black writers that I'm mentioning, um, but like the the work that black people are doing to uh, get to a new future does not just, like for for all you white people listening out there it does not just benefit black people we are not only you know fighting for a future where you know i'm thinking about masculinity for example um we're not fighting for a future just where you know black men are not constricted to the limits of traditional masculinity but also for a future where just the traditional limits of masculinity are not expected and that's not just for black people that's for everyone (laughs) like and you know when we talk about um abolishing the police state or or creating those um uh, safe and sustainable communities and the ability to choose or not to choose to have parent or have children um like that's not just for it's not just for black people but for for everyone and even if it was just for black people like fair <laughs> but like that's not how it is and that's another you know another reason that I look up to these people so much is that in the midst of <laughs> the like you know, they could have chosen to be like, only black people deserve this power. And like, we need to do this just for black people. But like, it it's not that specified. <laughs> because it's, you know, we're all in a human community together. And like, there's just so much room for what could have been rage and what could have been exclusion and what could have been revenge and rather choosing something better you know tony bond one of the you know founding mothers of the reproductive justice movement um when she addressed our gathering in ohio in 2019 um she she was our keynote speaker for holy callings which was our our reproductive health rights and justice advocate gathering around religion and repro she said very publicly she was speaking about black liberation and she said black liberation does not mean white incarceration Mm -hmm. like it is not a zero-sum game to seek freedom and we have been sold and i i i remember this just like it was yesterday she says we have been sold a false bill of goods that everything must be zero or a hundred percent we have been sold a false bill of goods that everything has to be zero or a hundred percent and i i think that is so profound because that is the essence of of attacking white supremacy in our living to say Mm -hmm. we refuse to live a fundamentalist lifestyle where everything must be one or two yes or no black or white up or down all of these these hard polarities 
that no, indeed, we can all get free together. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it does not diminish my freedom when another person is liberated. It mm-hmm. is not a restriction on me that other folk are able to be free. It is a restriction on my ability to oppress and mm-hmm. my ability to to wrongfully exercise privilege. And that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day, right? Like, I mean, we we see all the all the blowback right now about oh CRT and all this stuff about like you know white folk just don't want to acknowledge the, the reality of our history and the racist white supremacist reality of our history. Whole nother podcast there. But the heart of that process has come to fruition in our society because people who are experiencing that violence refuse to allow that violence to turn them into this polarity model. Folk, black folk in particular, are saying, no, we are going to work for our liberation even amidst this attempt to polarize and separate us. We will mm-hmm. not hate you, you you folk who are standing in the way of, of our liberation. We will pursue our liberation without making you part of an agenda or a goal because you are not what we seek. We seek liberation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can come along with us. Right? Yeah. You you can be a part of this future. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh that just kind of I think this is a good stopping point for what will definitely be a, a podcast exclusive. Um but just to just to bring it back, um, this really reminds me of the quote that we you know started this whole conversation with um, from Bell Hooks, which I will read again because I like to read. <laughs> Sometimes people try to destroy you precisely because they recognize your power, not because they don't see it, but because they see it and they don't want it to exist. And part of when I read that is not only or is uh, when they see your power, you know, thinking about how people may see that as a threat, um, which we talked about in the beginning and how it's not a threat of violence, but rather a threat of something different uh, and having to pursue something different and think differently about the future. Um, And, you know, sometimes I think that maybe when when people see our power, um, they feel threatened because they think we'll do to them what they did to us. And I, you know, uh, this is this is something that I, I say in um, the training for this week. Uh, harm begets harm. And, you know, I, I have no intentions of of purposely harming people because in the end, like the the process of harming someone, not only does that take a, a part, a energy from me that like is not necessary um but also it it is it it is expressing a harm that i've experienced and um in a non-productive way all all that's gonna do is like if i if i seek revenge all that's gonna do is just hurt someone else who's going to hurt someone else who's going to hurt someone else and that is not helpful and is not ultimately pursuing that Afrofuturist goal that, you know, my ancestors have pursued and that is continuing to be pursued. It is not, you know, aligned with the things that we 
huddle up in the dark and whisper to each other um, as our dreams for the future. It is not going towards that future where there is no violence, there is no prisons, and there are no winners and losers. <laughs> um, and so, like, I think when when people see black power, when people see black people claiming um, their space and claiming their personhood and their being um, and fighting for a better way, you know, they think we're there, we're wanting revenge because that's what, that's what happened to us, like people uh, harming us. But at least the Afrofuturists that I look up to, the Afrofuturists that I read and who inspire me are not, are not pushing for revenge because that is not the end goal. That is not, you know, that is not true justice. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, uh, that's our podcast for today. Um, this has been a really, a really good conversation. Um, and, and has been like helpful for me, um, to, to think about like the history. And even though like, uh, a lot of the black perseverance is is laced and comes from black pain. It is inspiring and helpful to me to think about um, how I am and my generation is not the first to want something different and to work for something that will not be the bare minimum. And so I am grateful for this conversation and uh, for talking with you, Jerry. Amen. And we're going to be back every month, every <laughs> week, every episode talking about black futures and mm -hmm. black present and black perseverance because that is our history and our mm -hmm. present and our future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, the basis and the, and the backbone of a lot of our work. So, Amen. um, it has been great talking with you, and uh, we will be back in a couple weeks um, to, you know, continue the conversation about how we get to that liberated reproductive future, the liberated liberated Afrofuturist uh, dream, and, you know, uh, how we will get free. Uh, so, see you in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.